Area 941 podcast are produced and distributed by Community Powered 94.1 KPFA Radio. Please help support Area 941 at kpfa.org. Hey, all. Uh, For those of you who did not get a chance to listen to the Remy episode, I recently had a bout of some sort of illness that affected my throat. Um, and I was sort of losing my voice. Uh, and so we have the Remy episode and then this one, uh, where my voice has been, uh, sounds kind of croaky and it's not the best to listen to on the radio. So I'm just letting you know, uh, that I'm sorry about that, but Linda sounds great and it should still be, you know, a good episode. Uh, so I hope you can bear through with it, but, uh, I promise you this is the last of the episodes where I sound like a frog. So enjoy. You're listening to Ada Biet with Linda and Sadea. I'm Linda. And I'm Sadea. So today we have in studio with us um, a local community member. His name is Samir Al-Bandek. He's a Palestinian organizer who's been in the San Francisco Bay Area since 1991. He's very active in several organizations. I won't list all of them, um, but Zawiya, the Unswat Ensemble, the New Generation for Palestine, uh, Palestine Democratic Youth Association, the um, Arab American Catholic Community um, and Habibi's Entertainments. If you guys have ever been to any parties or anything, you might have seen their their logo. He's also, and we'll talk about this later. He started the Queen of Peace Scouts, um, first Arab Scouts group uh, in the nation. And most recently, and the reason I brought him here was to talk about the publication of a new Arab resource magazine or a directory called the NorCal Arab American Community Directory. It's a glossy magazine. It contains information and resources relevant for the Arabs living in the U.S., from phone numbers to U.S. embassies, from all over the Arab world, um, to church and mosques, uh, contact information, local restaurants, law offices, etc. So welcome, Samir. Thank you so much. Thank you. So you've been in the community for a while. You're very active. I wanted to ask you, who makes up our community? Well, since I came to the United States, my involvement has been uh, mostly with the Palestinian community and then definitely expanded into the Jordanians as well. And as uh, years went by, I got involved more and introduced more to a lot of Lebanese, Egyptians, Syrians, and uh, recently, a lot of uh, Saudis and uh, people from the United Emirates been uh, coming to the Bay Area for school. And, uh, of course, North African, uh, there's a big community of um, Tunisians and Moroccans and some Algerians. So it's really, this is uh, the beauty of the Bay Area. You see people from every country you think of, right? next to you, neighbors working with, and uh, this is a great thing. And so did the communities change over? Is it that you just met these people, the newer communities like North Africans? I'm sure Yemenis as well. Yemenis as well, Uh, absolutely. Uh, Actually, it has changed uh, in the last few years. Uh, I would say in the 90s, uh, there weren't that many North Africans, especially I'm talking about uh, Moroccans, Tunisians, now you'll see you'll see uh, a huge community of uh, Moroccans and Tunisians, 
and when the elections happened after the uh, revolution in Tunisia, uh, there were uh, they did elections uh, at the Arab Culture Center, and so many Tunisians came, and you never knew that there were so many Tunisians in the Bay Area. Actually, some came from like the valley, from Los Angeles, because this was the center for the West Coast, I think, or California. But still, there were so many local Tunisians. You're talking about the elections that were happening in Tunisia, that they were voting at the center? Right. Oh, okay. Right. Nice. For the president of Tunisia at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually didn't know there was like a large North African population up here because I don't see them. Uh, mostly, I just see Yemenis and Palestinians. What part of the Bay Area are they mostly like relegated to? I think in San Francisco. Now, relatively speaking, they're not as large as, let's say, the Palestinians or uh, uh, Lebanese or Jordanians, but they are growing. I mean, you started seeing first-generation Moroccans, and uh, that tells you that they have been here for a while, not as long as uh, Palestinians there's a sense of in the Levant of rejection towards like North African Arabs. Like we we're kind of elitist um, Lebanese, Syrians, Palestinians. We're kind of elitist in terms of like we're the better Arabs. Uh, and I wonder if that translates into immigrants here. I never felt that way. Really? <laughs> Honestly, that's a uh, new news for me, but uh, we were never exposed. So as an example, growing up in Palestine and Jordan, we rarely knew about uh, people of North Africa. Egyptians, yes, because of their TV. But all the films, and the, they were very uh, popular in the Levant. But when you look at Moroccans, Algerians, Tunisians, we only learned about them in geography classes, sometimes in history. But that was it. So coming here, it was definitely something that uh, was great to meet those people and see how uh, they're Arabs. I mean, there are so many different things and cultures and food and uh, traditions, but they're still were linked in a way or another. Um, so I just wanted for our listeners, what you're Palestinian, but you were raised where? I was born in Bethlehem in Palestine, and we moved to Jordan when I was 10 years old. Stayed there till uh, I was 17, then moved to San Francisco. Okay. And uh, I think that was an interesting comment that you made. I never really realized that, like, even my parents probably, who also Palestinian-Jordanian, probably weren't super exposed to other Arabs until they actually came to the Bay Area, where you see so many, so much diversity. So even for Arabs to see other Arabs, um, do you think that's a common sentiment um, from generally Arabs coming from the Middle East? I think so, because... Many, uh, many people in the Middle East, especially, they, they really, we stay within our uh, country or maybe some, especially Palestinians like Palestine, Jordan, maybe Lebanon, the Lebanese, Lebanon, Syria, and so on. So we don't really go far as of uh, other Arab countries. That kind of makes sense now that maybe this directory kind of was created. Can you talk a little bit about who started this directory, how it was inspired and what your purpose is behind it? Well, with the rising of the internet and the emailing list, mm-hmm. I started an email list. My name is Samer, so my nickname was Abu Samra. So I started the Abu Samra community newsletter. Before, it was only an email list of 
sharing jokes, news, events, things of that sort. Then it developed into becoming more uh, a community events list, and it became the most circulated and most effective. So even when I got bored of it, because it's really, it takes a lot of time, uh, people would send emails, oh, we did not get your newsletter. So I saw, when I saw how important it was to the community, I felt that there was a big gap filled. And then I started getting emails from businesses and uh, organizations, can you please announce this? Can you please advertise our business? And I've done all that, of course, at no cost because it was just a voluntary base and it was a help to the community. So the idea started developing into my mind where, okay, there is a need. There is a gap that needs to be filled and in the community. And what is the need? What's, what exactly did you find was the need? To reach out to the community. I mean, the community has grown a lot in the Bay Area. And a lot of businesses I, did, I wasn't even aware of till the directory. When we started contacting and uh, advertising for it, we started getting calls and emails from people that we never knew they existed. I mean, look how many attorneys. And this is a great thing. So um, that's when it started. There was a directory a long time ago. It was uh, like yellow pages. So then I started looking. I said, I don't want it to be a yellow page. I want it to be more of a modern magazine that could develop into not only a directory, into a magazine on the second phase. And uh, I found another person who had similar interests, and she's also very involved in the community. Her name is Jumana Hassan. And uh, that's when uh, she was um, uh, an executive director at the Better Business Bureau. So I talked to her, and it was right the time before her retirement. And we joined forces, and we started the directory. And uh, it was a great, it wasn't easy to really uh, sell something that there is nothing tangible to show the people. But then right after the issue was done, now we have so many more people that uh, have been approaching us about, oh, we want to be in the next edition, we want to be in the next edition. So our anticipation next edition is going to be maybe double the size of the first edition. And that tells you how much uh, gap there is in the community reaching out to each other. And of course, it's going to be useful not only to our community linking, to, linking together, but for the American community to learn about the Arab businesses and Arab business people and professionals. How come you wanted to do it in print and not online, which is uh, the, the current way that a lot of people reach each other? That's a very good question. I get asked that question a few times. Uh, still our community, or a big number of our community, want to have something in their hands. They want to flip pages and look at it and read it. My mom is an example. If I tell her go on an iPad or on the computer, she would never do it. I give her a magazine, she'd read it from cover to cover, no problem. So we thought that would be a first step. Plus, showing something tangible for a new project is going to be stronger than only uh, a website. And the sad part, we discovered that so many people in our community, still like few couple businesses, without mentioning names, they did not have email addresses. Wow. So we had to get them through the training because we had to communicate. We had to show them proof of ads and things like that. Now, there is a website, and the website uh, does list all the uh, businesses. And the good thing about it, I'm trying to a little bit switch my newsletter, the email newsletter, 
into the website of the directory. So we have a community events on the directory's uh, website where you just go and see all the events that are happening in the Bay Area. You click on it, gives you all the details, directions, uh, picture of the flyer if there is any marketing material, links to Facebook event page if there is one, things of that sort. That is going to be really our next project. So now we're launching that slowly. We're focusing on the directory while we're maintaining the website. But at one point, it's going to have more like blogs on daily basis, uh, interesting news, maybe sharing a podcast from the your show. And that way we can really have more traffic into the website, which is going to get more visibility to our advertisers and our community. That's awesome. That's a great project. I'm, and it's such a grassroots project. It starts with your email list and you go door to door. What do you think the long-term effects of this magazine beyond just promoting businesses could be? Uh, I definitely would say uh, promoting nonprofit groups, organizations, institutes, local institutes, which are, I would say, 90% of them, if not more, are working for good causes. And if we can help good causes by advertising and promoting for them, that is another uh, big plus to this project. And then uh, also it could be through having more useful information, like the demographics. A lot of people did not know the demographics of the Arab Americans in North California or uh, the history about them and uh, the embassies and consulates. So more useful information, uh, even we included the uh, officials, elected officials. That was where, great. Again, we're, we're Americans. And we're more Americans than many Americans, I would say. So by having that information, it's inf- important to know who are our representatives. A lot of times we have issues that involve us as Arab Americans. And we need to reach out to those Congress people and those uh, representatives and tell them our concerns, tell them about our uh, if there's an issue that involves uh, the United States policies that affected our back home, our countries. And this is a way also to help the community to have those resources on reaching out to those officials. That is huge. (laughs) That is huge. And those parts that you just mentioned, like the demographics and everything, those are the most exciting parts to me. The other part I wanted to point out, they're cute and funny, but the whole, um, like, the did you know, like, did you know that Salma Hayek is Arab? Why did you put those sections in there, you know, with Selma and uh, Steve Jobs Because, believe it or not, most of the people don't know that they have some Arab roots. So we thought to add to it more, to take it away from just being a directory. So we put the demographics, we put the useful information. Then we thought of something that's more exciting, something just general. And celebrities or politicians or like Steve Jobs. and So that's where we included that section. And it's random. It's not like we have a whole section for it. It's like while you're flipping the pages, it pops out somewhere. Same thing we did with some of those pictures as well, the landmarks. How did you decide when you created this magazine, how did you organize it? Okay, it is uh, definitely, that was a big challenge. And we delayed the project over a year because of that, the back end. And we kept looking because the layout is a project. The designs are another project. Gathering the information is another project. Selling the ads is a project. So it's not as simple as it looks. It took us a while till we found 
company that is in Emeryville, Epic Global Ventures, and they had created, they went partnership with us in the first issue, uh, and they did all the back-end work from layout to design. So we had professionals that worked on this magazine. Of course, the owner of Epic Global is uh, Lebanese-Armenian, so we tried to keep also everything within the community to really make it a community project. It was printed by an... Uh, a print shop that's owned by a Syrian-American a community member. And we, hopefully, we can maintain that. I think that's a great way of community building because, um, you know, in the States, the way things work is money. That's how you show support for anything is that with money. So, like, I know that there's a lot of businesses here that are uh, Arab-owned, but it's not known to the public that they're Arab. And, like, I'll find out, like, I found out randomly that um, uh, Phil's Coffee was Palestinian-owned. You know, that was, like, surprising to me. How would, Why would I know who, who's Phil? You know, <laughs> Phil is not an Arab name. Uh, so it's, it's exciting to feel like when I'm there, I'm supporting a Palestinian in the community, like, directly. Uh, so I think it's a, a, a really important way of, of community building. And I think this magazine is such a good way of letting us know how we can support each other because, you know, there's not that many of us. And, you know, we, we have to face a lot of oppression and a lot of uh, like difficulty just establishing ourselves and resisting any racism that comes our way to just make it here. So I think, you know, we have to have each other's backs. And I think it's also really beautiful that um, – in the Middle East, you know, we're always talking about our differences, like religion, uh, like political part affiliations, all that stuff. We're always like, you know, fighting with each other internally. And it's really upsetting. But here it seems that we're able to forget all of that and just be like, it doesn't matter that you're Christian and I'm Muslim and, you know, you're from this part of the Arab world and from that part. We can just be together um, and help each other out because at the end of the day, we're just Arab. Um, have you Have you come across anyone who is sort of not into being identified as Arab. Did you come across that at all? We did, believe it or not. We got kicked out of one store in Stockton. We went in and we were like, uh, we're working on a project and we're in Stockton. We visited some people that we knew and we think it's very important for you. It's a grocery store and a restaurant. He's like, oh, I don't want to deal with Arabs. Just leave, it's okay. So those are very few, very, very few. I think now, especially the first, second generations, are more identifying themselves as Arabs. And this is really important because at one point, speaking to people, looking at relatives and friends, at one point, the first immigrants that came to the States were trying to hide the identity of Arabs for their kids because of, of course, the stereotypes, the discrimination, all that. They were even like teaching them English from day one. They were training, uh, learning their English by practicing with their kids. And then at one point, they lost their identity as Arab in a way. But growing up, being exposed to the Arab, learning about what's happening, seeing all the news, and now with thanks to the Internet that really made the, the world so close to each other, I think now they are saying, no, we are Arab. So they're going back to the language. They're going visiting back home. And it's a very important. It's very important. I mean, I look at other cultures, uh, many Hispanic, uh, like Mexicans, uh, Guatemalans, Armenians, Persians. They speak only their mother tongue's language to their kids. 
And this is something that really we started a program with an organization. It's a non-profit organization called Alif Ba. It's a Lebanese lady that started doing a project about Arabic language to teach in France. And she moved here, and we started. She had a hard time reaching out to the community. Within like a couple, few minutes, to be exact, not a couple minutes. Um, on Facebook, we were able to gather over like 10 teachers and about 30 kids. And we started three classes. It was at the Jordanian American Association, which is a great supportive organization for all community efforts. It doesn't have to be only Jordanian. So they provided their place for free for this project. And now it's stopped for one season, one semester, but I think it's going to go back, and hopefully we can expand it more. And this shows how much demand there is for those second, first and second generations. They want to learn the language of their parents because language is definitely the key to learn the culture, to communicate with the original people, to learn the true stories, talk to grandpa, grandma. Well, now uh, the San Francisco school board is initiating Arabic as a second language for like K through 12. So that's like going to be accessible to people. Definitely. I, I con- congratulated Iraq for their hard work on that. That was a great, great project. The Arab Resource Organizing Center. Though you call it the NorCal Arab American Directory, I feel like it um, could possibly be useful for non-NorCal Arabs, maybe like nationally. Uh, Even NorCal hasn't been covered, really. It's mostly now the Greater Bay Area. There are only a few advertisers in uh, the Valley and Sacramento. Even though the listing, let's say, of the churches, organizations, and mosques, it included all North California and some actually national uh, organizations like the ADC, the Arab American Institute, some other organizations that are helpful to the community. So definitely it could be uh, expanded into more just the NorCal. And definitely next issue we will be focusing more on Sacramento, uh, even further on the South Bay, the Valley, Stockton, um, Fresno, down to Fresno. So there's a huge geographical area. And hopefully we can have more Uh, uh, people helping us with this so we can really cover all that area. Who's actually putting this magazine together now, other than you and your colleague who you mentioned, Jumana? Was anyone else? That's it. We're the only two people. Yeah. That's a pretty big project for two people, and that's volunteer basis. It is volunteer basis. There's money coming in, of course, from the ads, but really the first issue was barely paying the expenses, the overheads, the printing, and we made sure that it's top quality magazine. Because we want to make it different. We want to make sure that if somebody takes that magazine in their hand, that directory, they're not going to just feel disgusted, put it on the side, yellow, like the yellow pages. I get it from the front of the door to the recycling bin. (laughs) I don't open it. What a waste of trees. And this one is something that people look at it and they enjoy looking at it. I mean, I'm very grateful to the community. I heard so many good feedbacks, and it's very encouraging, very enlightening to see that people are liking it. It gives me more courage to really even put more effort in expanding it and taking it to the next level. What a great, you know, gem of an idea, and it's so useful. And there's, as we can see through the magazine, there's so much money. And with all, all the entrepreneurship and the business owners in the Bay Area, clearly I think if we brought the resources together, I think that this this could happen, and I definitely encourage it. 
And for sure, uh, the benefit goes the most to the businesses that cannot be listed in any way as Arabs, as a lawyer or a real estate agent or a financing company. Because if you Google an Arab lawyer, you're not going to find anything because that's not a keyword that they use for search purposes. But now when they're listed under the NorCal directory, when you search Arab lawyer, let's say, it goes through our website and it adds a whole definition to their uh, category and mm-hmm. it gets they get listed under those. And in some, myself, I've been here 23 years, but sometimes when I go to a doctor, let's say, the medical terminology, some things I don't understand. So I'd rather go speak to an Arab doctor so he can explain to me in Arabic what is that, uh, what that terms mean. And that's why is uh, it's helpful for, especially for uh, some professionals uh, like lawyers, doctors, real estate agents. Yeah, actually, you kind of addressed a question I was going to ask. Some people might say, hey, we all live in America. We're all free and we're, you know, equal. Why do you need to go give all your money to an Arab business rather than, you know, the white guy or whatever? I think one uh, one reason is really uh, for better understanding and communication. Number two is when we strengthen our community, it's a brighter future for our next generations. Because this country, it's not about white or non-white. It was built on immigrants. And uh, the stronger the culture and the heritage, I think the stronger the Bay Area and the stronger America is. There's more richness, more flavor to living daily lives by having culture and heritage. And this is nothing but really uh, setting the path for our next generations. I mean, it's an obvious question, but do you think that Arabs have been under attack in this country? Is this kind of part of your motivation where you feel, well, we haven't been taking control of our own communities? Definitely. I mean, uh, when I came to the States uh, in the 90s, early 90s, right after the Iraq war, it was a huge uh, stereotype where... When people knew I was Palestinian, it's like I'm scaring them off immediately. And then that has changed in the last years. And, of course, because of really the Internet, the free speech media, the uh, progressive active stations that are showing the people the truth. And, uh, of course, KPFA is a leader of really doing that work. Uh, I've always listened to those programs that I can't find anywhere else, not on KGO, not on other stations, because there it's it's a mainstream media and they tell you what they want you to know. And here you hear the other side of the story, the truth in many cases. And uh, it has gotten better than with the 9-11 went back, a few steps back. Then it got better again with people knowing more facts, more truth. And then it got back again with the Arab so-called spring and then afterwards with the uh, birth of ISIS. And, uh, I mean, I got asked that question twice. Once is, I have a beard, are you with Hamas? Because I have a beard. And one time, so are you supporting ISIS? I was like, guys, (laughs) I mean... 
guys. <laughs> it's 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 really it's really. Uh, Who asks you sad. these questions? One customer of mine at one point, I uh, he's like, "Oh, you're growing your beard. Is that like showing support, solidarity?" Well, that was at the time of Gaza attacks. Is that showing solidarity with the Hamas? I was like, uh, you know what? First of all, if I have a beard, that doesn't mean I'm Muslim. Doesn't mean I support any political group. Uh, I do sympathize with some of the things that are going on back there with Hamas. I don't blame them for what's happening. There's occupation. So don't want to turn into a political discussion, but I explained to them clearly that this is really, if I am Arab, you cannot just uh, judge me and uh, a stereotype based on what you have been brainwashed with because it's not really, that's not the fact. And sometimes those are good moments where you can really share the truth with others. And this is now, this is the difference between now and 91. I'm glad we got to this point where now people, I tell them I'm Palestinian, tell me more. Really? Before I'm Palestinian, they turn their back, they try to avoid you. Now I'm Palestinian, okay, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry for what's going on. And that's a great uh, move forward for the Palestinian cause in specific and for the Arab community in general. And you own, I'm sorry, I don't know, do you own like a grocery store or something? No, I'm in the natural and organic food marketing and distribution. Okay. Yeah. The only, I still wanted to ask you about just that project because I, I don't go to church all the time, but sometimes I do see at the church, our community church is St. Thomas More. It's on Brotherhood Way. Um, and I see these young kids wearing these like scout outfits. Um, and you told me before this interview that you they're called the Queen of Peace Scouts. Can you talk about your project starting that? Well, uh, a year ago in July, there was an ordination of a new priest who was from the community here, half Arab American, half French, but he was always identified identified himself as Arab American, and he was a close friend to me. So we always dreamt of creating a scout-like back home. When there is an event, there is any festivities, the scouts will be there, and not only scouts with a uniform, but marching band. Marching band is, takes a lot of effort and training, but we did it back home. I mean, many uh, old churches, even non-churches, any organization, they have it. And it's very, very beautiful thing to to remind the people of back home, the old way of doing things. So he always shared that dream with me. Uh, at the time of his ordination, I thought that would be the best gift to give him, to create that scout. So we were able, with no budget given from the church, we were able to get some donors, local donors from the church, just to get this project going. We had to order everything from Jordan and Palestine, from the tags, the names, the signs, all that stuff. And we were able to do it within a month with even a marching band. We got some people with experience, and we had about, started with about 40 people. And uh, this is the first, I I researched, I could not find anything. So I, I think I can say the first Arab uh, scouts troop in the United States. Wow. And what do they do exactly? So when there is any festivities, and hopefully that will expand to more that, than only the Arab American Catholic community. Hopefully we can participate in events, in protests, in uh, uh, human rights uh, events, in other churches, even mosques events. Because really, we are one community. Uh, 
So now we're limited to only the Arab American Catholic Community events, St. Thomas More, where there is, let's say, uh, the Holy Week, there is a procession. We lead the procession with some drumming and uh, uh, marching, and then uh, same thing for Christmas, same thing for the Feast of the Lady of Palestine or any sort of uh, religious uh, events. The challenges that we face as an Arab community, what, what are those challenges? We have still some division within the community. That's, I would say, an internal kind of challenges between us. There's still some people in the community that differentiate if you're Christian, Muslim, if you're Palestinian or Lebanese or Moroccan or Yemeni. And uh, that is a big challenge. But luckily, that has been going away slowly. Uh, there has been a lot of uh, movement in the community of working together. And there are many examples of success. And I know that's the direction the community will be going. Another challenge would be uh, the stereotyping. I don't want to talk more about it, but this is really a big challenge. And people immediately look at us as, okay, if not a terrorist, then you're all... Uh, you're a supporter of this group or you're uh, anti this. And, and those are really a challenge, a task, I would say a duty for every one of us to share and tell the people who we are. And by even one of the things that we do is promote events locally and show the people that we are normal people. We love life. We want to live like any other human being. And it's, it's, it's a challenge, but it's a task for all of us. Are you involved with any kinds of or are aware of any women's rights, internal progression for women within the Arab community? Is there anything like that out there? I have just met a young lady, uh, highly educated, that just contacted me uh, for the directory because she's thinking to start the first woman magazine, mm. Arab woman magazine, to feature uh, success uh, with women, Arab women in the United States and maybe worldwide even. And uh, this is great. I see the independence of women and Arab women in the United States, even in the, Arab in the Arab countries. You see that has gone very far. And this is great. I know you told me this was an annual publication. When's the next projected date of publication? Uh, we will start... Uh, soliciting business in December, and then hopefully by uh, deadline will be by end of uh, February, mid-March. So probably the next publication will be out in May. Okay. Um, and where can people find this magazine since it's primarily a tangible object? They'd have to actually go get it. Uh, you can find it in any uh, local uh, Middle Eastern stores, restaurants, um, pretty much even churches, mosques, uh, any community events, you'll find it there on a table, on a rack somewhere. And also, if you can contact us, we will be more than happy to mail a copy or deliver a copy to whoever is interested. Our website is www.ncaacommunity.com ncaacommunity.com or nca ncaacommunity at gmail.com to request copies or additional copies. And are you on Facebook? 
We are on Facebook, NCAA community as well. Uh, we keep the people updated with where the magazine is, where it's going to be distributed, participation in any local events. So if they want, they can come and take as many copies. It's given for free. Of course, that's a given. And uh, so we encourage people to really spread that directory out. And if anybody is interested in being featured in the magazine, also contact you? Yes, they can contact me uh, through the website. There is a link that would uh, to contact us or uh, via email. Thank right. you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Arabiyat. You can email us at arabiyat.podcast at gmail.com. That's A-R-A-B-I-Y-A-A-T dot podcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Arabiyat and on facebook.com slash podcast. Our theme song is by Muqata'a. The track is called Ahyat. Follow him on soundcloud.com slash B-O-I-K-U-T-T.